0: Well, yeah, good morning again. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the Gospel of John. We're continuing to work our way through the Gospel. Our goal, as we've said the last couple of weeks, our goal is not to get through the Gospel of John. Our goal is to get the Gospel of John through us. And I hope by now you understand that's two completely different things. So over the next few weeks, we are... And in fact, the way we're approaching the Gospel of John is different than the way we approach the Gospel of Mark. In Mark, we went through chapter by chapter. We're doing something different here. We're going to look at some key, powerful, significant passages within the 21 chapters that hopefully will give us a a broad overview of what's in this book. So, there are three primary things that we're going to look at in the next number of weeks. Number one is this little phrase where Jesus says seven times in the Gospel of John, he says this, I am. I am the good shepherd. I am the light of the world. Seven times he uses that phrase. Uh, two or three times in the next number of weeks, we're going to look. How do I say that? Two or three times in the next number of weeks, we're going to look at two or three of those occasions. I am. Also, seven times in the Gospel of John, we have this word called signs. Signs. It's unique to the Gospel of John. Now there are, we've talked about this before, there are 37 miracles in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. None of the Gospels have all 37. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, picture these three three lists, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they all have about 20 of the miracles. They don't all have the same 20, but they each have, give or take, 20 miracles. John has seven. And in the Gospel of John, they're not called miracles, they're called signs. John uses the word signs the same way we would use the word sign out here on Marion Road to point us to something that we need to know about. John uses the word signs as a way to point us to Jesus, to remind us that Jesus is the Son of God. Now, during these next number of weeks, we're going to look at two or three of those seven signs. The third thing we're going to look at is these key words. There are key words that are significant to the theology of the Gospel of John. So far, we've looked at the word believe, and we've looked at the word world. Depending on your favorite Bible translation, I can tell you this. The word believe, in various forms, appears 449 times. Now, when I say various forms, I'm talking about the word believe, believer, believer, believes with an S on the end, believed, believing, that word appears 449 times in the Bible. 124 of the 449 are in the Gospel of John. So we could say that of all the times that the word believe appears in the Bible, one out of every four times is here in the Gospel of John. And a very similar thing happens with the word believe world, the word world appears 238 times in the Bible. 57 of those times, it's in the Gospel of John. So again, one out of every four times that the word world appears in the 66 books, one out of every four ends up in the Gospel of John. So during our study over the next number of weeks, we're going to look at one or two other keywords, But for our time this morning, we are going to look at one of the seven I am's. Take your Bible and turn with me to John chapter 8, where we discover that Jesus said, I am the light of the world. John chapter 8, and I'm going to read verses 12 through 20, and I'd like you to follow along if you have your Bibles. John chapter 8, beginning in verse 12. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Verse 13, the Pharisees challenged him. Here you are appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. Jesus answered, even if I testify on my own behalf, My testimony is valid, for I know where I came from and where I'm going, but you have no idea where I come from or where I'm going. You judge by human standards. I pass judgment on no one, but if I do judge, my decisions are true because I am not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. In your own law, it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is true. I am one who testifies for myself. The other witness is the Father who sent me. They asked him, Where is your father? You do not know me or my father, Jesus replied. If you knew me, you would know my father also. He spoke these words while teaching in the temple courts near the place where the offerings were put. Yet no one seized him because his hour had not yet come. I want you to think about this for a minute. We live... in a dark, dark world. We live in a world where now there is almost, not quite, but there's almost no such thing as truth. There's almost no such thing as right or wrong. Almost everything in the world today is not based on truth. It's based on opinions. Now, humanism is taught in the public school system, coast to coast. It started, I, I don't know, 20, 25, 30 years ago. We began to teach humanism, sort of. Nobody ever mentioned the word, but humanism is that crazy world. It's that crazy word that describes the philosophy of public education in the United States. It, it says that you have a right to determine what's right for you, and you have a right to determine what's right for you, and I have a right to determine what's right for me. But you don't have a right to try and tell me what's wrong. And I don't have a right to tell you what's wrong. And so all of a sudden there is no such thing in public schools anymore as absolute truth. There's no such thing. Everything is based on humanism. It may sound crazy, And it may be crazy, but that's what's being taught to the next generation. Just Imagine living in a world where there's no such thing as truth. It's all opinions. So when I say we live in a dark, dark world, that's just a a scratch of the world we live in. We live in a dark, dark world. Adolf Hitler will go down in history as one of the worst human beings to ever walk the planet Earth because he was the one who orchestrated the details and killed, murdered, annihilated we believe the number to be six million Jewish people surrounding World War II. Just think of that number. Can you just picture that for a minute? Six million. There are, give or take, a million people that live in South Dakota. That would be like killing every man, woman, boy, and girl in the state of South Dakota six times. He will, <clears throat> he will go down in history as one of the worst, most evil people to ever walk the earth. But now, let me just put this into your mind. In 1973, the Supreme Court of the United States passed a law permitting legal abortions. We went from a nation, this is mind-boggling, we went from a nation where one day it's completely illegal in almost every city and state in the country, it was completely illegal to have an abortion. And then overnight, it's legal from coast to coast. It's now estimated that there have been 50 million babies Murdered in their mother's womb since Roe versus Wade in 1973. 50 million. Now, let's just back up two or three minutes. If you still think that Hitler should be identified as one of the worst human beings to ever walk the earth, and he murdered six million, just stop and think about this. What do you think God thinks about a country? that kills 50 million unborn babies. And today we're gonna kill some more. Next fall, Americans will go to the polls and cast their vote for their choice of president, senators, representatives, governors, city council, county commissioners, I'm not here to make this political, but I just want you to pay attention to what the candidates stand for. Since the vast majority of men and women who are running for these national offices now are in favor of murdering unborn babies. We live in a dark, dark world. Last year, there were 16,400 people murdered in America. 16,400, that's 45 people are murdered every day. Just think of that, 45 people murdered every day. Sharon and I, we don't watch hardly, we don't watch any weekly TV shows, I mean, except Jeopardy, we like watching Jeopardy. Someday I'm going to get two answers in a row right. Someday. Um, but one thing we do watch, and we watch it a lot, is the shows like Dateline, 48 Hours, um, 2020. I mean, it is just, some of the circumstances surrounding them, so, but it's, a lot of it is the same thing. Somebody that you would never expect, murder somebody. 45 people every day. Two people, two people were murdered. In America today, since you left home and walked into church. And before you get in your car and go back home to have lunch, two more people will be murdered somewhere in America. We live in a dark, dark world. There there are more than 70,000 Americans who died last year due to drug overdoses. 70,000! That means that 200 people die every day in America due to drug overdoses. Eight people die every hour of every day because of drugs. Since we walked into church this morning, eight people died. And before you get home and have lunch, eight more people will die. And they will die the next hour and the next hour and the next hour. And it goes all night, eight people every hour. And tomorrow morning when you wake up that first hour, there'll be eight more people somewhere in this country. 70,000 Americans die every year due to drugs. We live in a dark, dark world. We live in a world where there's no truth. Everything's based on opinion. Everybody has the right to pick and choose. We live in a world where here we are, we still want to call ourselves a Christian nation, and we're mur- we've so far murdered 50 million of our own people. 50 million! We live in a world now where politicians, doctors, lawyers, and parents are now arguing and or discussing every day whether someone is male or female. We live in a country where it's now permissible for men to marry men and for women to marry women, and yet Genesis 127 still says, so God created mankind in his own image, and the image of God, he created them male and female. But some people are saying, hold on, I don't believe the Bible. Just hold on. Why can't men choose to become women? If they want to be. Why can't women choose to become men. If they want to be. Why can't my little first grade boy. Choose to become a girl. If he wants to be. That's the world we live in. Because there's no truth. There's no such thing as absolute truth anymore. It's just opinions. We live in a dark, dark world. Church attendance in America. I'll I'll get to John in just a minute. Church (laughs) attendance in America in 2019. Across the country. Church attendance in America in 2019 was lower than it was in 2018. And in 2018, it was lower than it was in 2017. And in 2017, it was lower than it was in 2016. And in 2016, church attendance was lower than it was in 2015. And for 24 years in a row, we now have fewer people going to church this year than went to church last year. We live in a world where for any of 100 reasons... People are more or less not interested in going to church. And yet one day, 2,000 years ago, a man named Jesus announced to the world, I am the light of the world. He was living in a dark, dark culture, the Roman Empire. There was no place for Christianity. Everything was based on what the Roman Emperor Caesar said was true. Everything. And he announced to the world, he says, in John chapter 8, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but we will have the light of life. But no matter how dark the world seems, and you know, for those of us who love Jesus, and it seems to me the closer we get to the light of the world, the more exposed we can see the problems we have in our own life. Because the closer I get to the light, the more my darkness shows up. But w- w- no matter how dark the world seems, Jesus is still the light of the world. People all around us, our neighbors, our coworkers, our extended family members, and so on, are, they're searching for the truth. They just don't know what they're looking for. And because of their spiritual blindness, they continue to walk in spiritual darkness. It would be easy for me, it would be easy, I think, for most of us to think that these people who are hopelessly lost in darkness, that they would just want to run to the light. But the Bible tells us very plain that people love darkness. It says in John 3, verse 19, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of the light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. If you look in Acts chapter 26, Acts chapter 26 is a conversation between the apostle Paul and the king, Agrippa. And Paul is pleading his case. Agrippa is trying to decide, what do I do with this guy? Do I commit him to be murdered? Do I commit him to be executed? Do I put him in prison? Do I send him to Rome? I mean, what are we going to do with this guy? And the Apostle Paul, in the midst of his self-defense, he's trying to explain to King Agrippa what happened to him on the road to Damascus, the story that first shows up in Acts chapter 9. It shows up again in Acts chapter 26. And listen, this is what the Apostle Paul says to King Agrippa. as He said, this is what God said to me. Verse 17, I will rescue you from your own people and from Gentiles. I'm sending you to them, verse 18, to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Now let's travel back in time. Let's all, let's all get in that, that time machine and let's go back to John chapter 8 where Jesus is standing in downtown Jerusalem and in that passage in John chapter 8 it seems to me that That the religious leaders of Jerusalem are standing over here, they're within earshot. They can hear what he's talking about. And Jesus says, in verse 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of light. By claiming to be the light of the world, Jesus is saying that he is God in the flesh. Look at what Isaiah prophesied 600 years before Jesus arrived on the planet. Isaiah 60 verse 19. The sun will no longer this is prophecy and it took 600 years for it to be fulfilled. Isaiah 60 19. The sun will no more be your light by day nor will the brightness of the moon shine on you. For the Lord will be your everlasting light and your glory will be Your God will be your glory. Your sun will never set again and your moon will wait no more. The Lord will be your everlasting light and your days of sorrow will end. I read last week a commentary and in that commentary is a paragraph by Pastor John MacArthur from Southern California. Here's what he says about Jesus being the light of the world. He said, Jesus Christ alone brings the light of salvation to a sin-cursed world. To the darkness of falsehood, He's the light of truth. To the darkness of ignorance, He's the light of wisdom. To the darkness of sin, He's the light of holiness. To the darkness of sorrow, He's the light of joy. And to the darkness of death, Jesus is the light of life. Just as the nation of Israel followed the cloud by day and the fire by night as they wandered through the wilderness on their way to the promised land, Jesus, my friends, is asking us to follow Him. And as we follow Him, and as we walk with Him, and as we become obedient in doing the things that He's asking us to do, His light begins to shine in us. His light begins to shine in us and through us into this dark world to offer them hope. It's interesting, in John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. But if we compare that with Matthew, in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, Jesus said this, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So let's just think about this. Hold all that in your mind. Put it over here. Compartmentalize that. Hang on to that. Let's go back a week or two ago when we spent that whole sermon looking at the word believe. It was John 1.12, yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name. He gave the right to those to become sons of God. That word believe, it means that I am convinced that Jesus is who he said he is. For me to believe in Jesus, it means I believe that he is who he said he is. He said he's the son of God, I believe it. He said that he's the Messiah, that the world has been waiting, I believe it. He said that He's God in the flesh. See, if we believe in Jesus, it means we believe that He is who He said He is. We believe He's the Messiah. We believe He's the Savior who went to the cross, shed His blood, died, was buried, rose again on the third day, and He's still alive today. If you believe that Jesus is who He said He is, then Jesus is living in you. Because in Matthew 5, Jesus said, you, he said that to his father, you are the light of the world. And if Jesus is living in us, then we are the light of the world. Look at the first five verses in the Gospel of John. John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. Verse 5, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So as we close, I'd like you to think about this. If you claim to believe in Jesus, if that's your claim. Then Jesus is living in you. He's living in you. As you live, and I, he's living in us as we live in this dark, dark world. And he wants our lives to reflect his light and his love. So let me ask you, what kind of a light are you displaying to the world around you? Now, there's different kinds of lights, you know, when our grandkids come and stay overnight, we have this little, we have this little, called the, called the night light. It's like one or two watts. It's about the size of my fingernail. And if you turn it on during the day, you don't even hardly, you hardly know it's on. But if you put it in their bedroom at night, is that what your life is like? Like a little two-watt light bulb? that Sometimes nobody can even see that it's on, but Or maybe your light, maybe your light's more like the hundred watt light bulb in the lamp right next to your favorite chair where you like to read? Is maybe that's is that what your light's like? Or could it be that your light is like the and I didn't even know they made lights like this. Could it be like the two hundred thousand watt bulbs? They put on top of the poles in the end zones of NFL stadiums, 200,000 watts. Jesus is the one who said it, not me. It was Jesus who said, you are the light of the world. And so I just encourage you to think about what kind of light is being reflected from the way I live my life. Now let me close with this verse, Acts 13.47, is another story about Paul on the road to Damascus. That story appears three or four times in the book of Acts, but there's something interesting in Acts 13.47 where Jesus says this to Paul, for this is what the Lord has commanded us, I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. God is reminding you and me of this. We have the same obligation. It isn't just for Paul, it's for Steve and Scott and Gary and Jackie and Jesse and Cindy and Janice. This is all for us. Here's how that verse would read if Jesus was here in South Dakota I've made you a light for the people who live in and around Sioux Falls. That you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. May God help all of us. Clean up our lives. Whatever it is that's clouding that light, that lamp that's in us, may God help us to repent of those sins and have a desire to live a clean life for the honor and glory of God so that our life can shine as bright is the brightest light there is. As we do our best to reflect the light and love of Jesus to a dark, dark world. Let's pray. And as we pray, I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward and take this morning's offering. Well, Lord, thank you for allowing us to open your word. Thank you, dear Heavenly Father, that there really was a time when you sent your son Jesus into this world. And it had to be a, just, just trying to process that, how difficult it must have been to send your precious Holy Son into such a dark, dark world. But Lord, we believe he was obedient because he loved us and he wanted to pay the price for our sin. God, for those of us who have faith in Jesus, we will be forever grateful for what Jesus did for us on the cross, that he paid the full price, not just part of it, He paid the full price for all of our sin, that if we would put our faith in Jesus, believing that he is who he said he is, and if we'd ask you to forgive us of our sin, you promised that you would forgive us of our sin. God, help all of us to be bright lights for Jesus. Thank you for allowing us the chance to worship you this morning as brothers and sisters in Christ. And as we take this offering, Lord, we thank you for each gift. Thank you for each gift and for each giver. We ask that we would make good use of these gifts. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.